say I've had a bit of a interest if not a fascination with pain why do we have it why does it go away why is it in the middle of this pain we can't think about anything else but the pain and how to get rid of it and when the pain passes For some reason, it doesn't seem that bad anymore until it comes back again. What is it with this pain? We have all kinds of pain. We have aches and pains that we go through just in our day-to-day lives. We have the emotional pain that we go through when we have strains in our uh, relationships We have the pain of losing a loved one. We have all different kinds of pain. But we also have good pain. And some people would argue in some cases that most pain is good pain. Uh, One of the first responses that we have to this good pain is sort of a logical response. Uh, We say pain is good because pain is an alarm. Pain lets us know that something is wrong. And then it tells us to stop doing whatever it is that we're doing to cause that pain. Uh, So the pain gives us a little bit of hurt, a little bit of discomfort. And if necessary, we get treatment for whatever is behind it. So pain is a good thing sometimes. Uh, If we touch a stove that is on with that bare hand... Pain is a good thing because if you touch that stove with a bare hand, you won't do that again. Uh, Pain can be a good thing. There was a physician by the name of Paul Brand, and he specialized in treating victims of what's called Hansen's disease. Uh, We call it Hansen's disease now, but in the Bible days, they called it leprosy. And and, and he did a lot of research with leprosy patients. And, you know, we read about leprosy and we hear about uh, skin falling off and limbs and hands falling off when people suffered from leprosy. But it turns out it was not the leprosy that caused their skin to rot and fall off. Actually, the problem was is the leprosy took away their ability to feel pain. And so because it took away their ability to feel pain, they would hurt themselves and not even know it. Oh, my. That's a sermon all by itself. When you people holding on to pain that they don't even realize they have holding on. When we hold on to these hurts that we have and these these things that have affected us and we don't know why until we get down and talk to somebody about it. But that was what was going on with some of these people who suffered from leprosy. It was not that the leprosy itself was causing their limbs to fall off. They were hurting themselves. And the hurt never got addressed. And because the hurt never got addressed, they lost what was hurting them. Uh, The same thing 
uh, well, the same kind of research was applied once they figured this out to people who suffered from diabetes as well. Yes. And, and Brand wrote a book about his experiences and he titled it The Gift Nobody Wants. He believed that far from being something that worked against life, pain is a requisite for life. He said that God designed the human body so that it would be able to survive because of pain. And he called the book, uh, later he titled the, print, uh, the printings, uh, uh, The Gift of Pain. Sometimes pain can be a good thing. Uh, sometimes pain can be a good thing because we are hopeful as well in the pain. Uh, uh, pain can be when we are working out. That is a bit of a hopeful pain. It doesn't feel like it at the time. Yes. But that pain that you feel is your body responding to the workout. Mm-hmm. That soreness in your muscles is your muscles repairing themselves. That stitch you get in your lungs is your lung expanding its capacity so that it can take in more air and process it. So sometimes the pain is hopeful. Some people like to say that pain is weakness leaving the body. Others will say that pain, uh, no pain, no gain. Uh, Cry in the dojo. Laugh on the battlefield. Uh, When we think about that end goal, losing the weight, getting our heart in better shape, lowering our cholesterol numbers, lowering our blood pressure, getting off of blood pressure medication completely, Responding to the therapy that we have after we get out of rehab, uh, out of the hospital for rehab, the, the, the pain is there. Some could even argue that there is a hopeful pain in bearing children. Yes. There is pain in the process of giving childbirth, but at the end of it, there is a new life. There is a new addition to the family. Sometimes pain can be a good thing. But when pain is a bad thing, we have to figure out a way to take care of the pain. Uh, Sometimes we can have what they call interventional procedures. You intervene on something. Uh, The act of intervening is to come between uh, uh, disputing people or groups to intercede, to occur and get in the middle of something. Uh, Sometimes to modify or to hinder. We try to intervene with the pain. So whatever's causing this pain, I'm going to stop it. I'm going to come between the middle. I'm going to put something in the middle of what's hurting me and me so that it no longer hurts me anymore. I'm going to put something in the middle of me and her so that she doesn't hurt me anymore. I'm going to put something in the middle of me and him so that he doesn't hurt me anymore. Sometimes the pain is there and we need to just let them go. Uh, Sometimes we get medication to manage the pain. I'm going to give you something to help you stop thinking about that pain. I'm going to give you something so that you don't feel what's going on anymore. And sometimes that can be a problem as well because we may tend to self-medicate for the pain. Uh, sometimes we'll need, in order to get rid of the pain, we'll have a physical therapy or, 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 or sometimes even chiropractic treatment to get rid of the pain. Uh, around about 2012, I injured my neck. 
picking my son up and putting him on my shoulders during a birthday party. And y'all have seen my son. He's kind of a little too big to put over your shoulders sometimes. (laughs) I learned the hard way, and so I had pain. And I went to the doctor about the pain, thinking I was going to get some uh, medication. I had already did the intervention. Nope, Johnny, you can't ride daddy's shoulders anymore. You done got a little too big for riding daddy's shoulders, and I didn't get medication. I was uh, prescribed physical therapy. And so I went to the physical therapist, and here in the physical therapist, the pain was caused by something inside being too weak. And so when I went to the physical therapist, every time I went, it was an hour and a half of torture exercise. (laughs) They had determined that the reason my neck hurt the way it did is because my neck was doing too much work. My shoulders were not strong enough. What you mean? I can bench press 280. What you mean my shoulders ain't strong enough? That meant your chest was strong. But see, the body is designed, and just like the body of Christ is designed as well, is that inflexibility in one area or a lack of attention in one area can cause a problem or pain in another. I'm going to say that again. Inflexibility in one area, disobedience in one area, not properly warming up another area, not properly paying attention to some areas will hurt you in another area. We got to pay attention to the little things because the little things will cause us pain. Uh, And so I spent all of this time during physical therapy doing exercises to strengthen specifically my shoulder muscles so that whenever I picked up things anymore, I wouldn't be using my neck to pick them up. I'd be using my shoulders. And then there are times where we need to have psychological or counseling or support in order to get rid of the pain. Can I take a break for a moment? Since I'm here, uh, one thing we, we need to address in the, the Christian community as a whole is, is the stigma of mental health. Sometimes you need to talk to a licensed counselor. Sometimes you need to see a psychiatrist. Because just like your body can get all out of whack and your heart muscles stop working right. Just like your sodium level can be too high and your blood pressure be all right. And they give you medicine to get your blood pressure back in right. Just like you can have too much cholesterol in your body and you take a cholesterol pill in order to lower your cholesterol. Just like you can get a headache and you take some Advil, some ibuprofen or some aspirin or something to get rid of the pain. Sometimes your brain chemistry cannot be working right. Sometimes you need to talk to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Sometimes it's not a demon. And since I'm up here talking about it now, I'm going to tell you too, if you come to pastor for counseling, Mm -hmm. 
If pastor looks at the issue and it's clearly not a Bible issue, it's clearly not something that I can turn to a scripture and get handled, I'm going to refer you to a licensed professional counselor just like I was told to do. Amen. We got to remove the stigma of talking to professional mental health people. And so sometimes we have to get rid of that pain that way. And then other ways to get rid of the pain is to refer somebody to another medical specialty, just like Pastor said he would do. But we do all of these things to take care of the pain. We need to manage the pain. And that is what the Apostle Paul was telling the church at Rome in, this, in the text when he was telling them that he considers the present sufferings not to be even compared to the future glory. It wasn't easy being a Christian back then. By no means. First off, they didn't really call it being a Christian during those times. They called it following the way. But I say Christian right now in order to, 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 to make it land. But people were getting killed for being believers. Oh, you following this man that said he was the king of kings and lord of lords? Let me show you what we do to those who are king of kings and lord of lords. It wasn't all cozy. We didn't have nice buildings to meet in with SPRCs and finance committees and trustee boards and have charge conferences and have a, a wonderful building and land. No, no, they met in people's houses in secret to keep from getting killed. And so these people were suffering. They had stuff going on and Paul was telling them that even though you're in pain now, this pain is going to be temporary because there is a future glory then. And just like Paul's telling the people at the church of Rome right then that there's going to be pain and I know you're going through pain right now. There is a, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and he tells them that this present suffering is not going to be compared to the future glory. And so just like Paul tells them that this present suffering is not anything compared to the future glory. I stopped by here to tell you the same thing. You may have more month than money right now. You may have a family member that is lost they ever love in mind. You may have a spouse that is lost they ever love in mind. You may have some issues going on at the job. You may have these things where you don't know left from right or up from down. But I stopped by to tell you, just like they told them there today, the present suffering is nothing to compare to the future glory. Ah, he tells them that the present suffering is not anything to be compared to the future glory. He, first, he lets them know that as believers, you need to be led by the spirit. Before that, you'd have been led by the flesh. You can be led by something. I would submit to you that we all are currently being led by something. I can open up your checkbooks and tell what you're being led by. I can tell what kind of time you spend on it. You tell what people are being led by. If I mention the right thing and step on the right toe, I can tell what you're being led by. We all are being led by something, present, company included. But what the thing is, is since we all know that we are being led by something, why don't we shift what we are being led by? And instead of being led by our own fleshly desires and doing what feels good just because we want to do it and just because we feel like we want to do it, we ought to be doing what the Spirit leads us to do. Amen. 
Uh, and so the, the, he, he tells us in, in verse 12, and 13, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, but it, to live according to it. For you live by the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit and put to the deeds, uh, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The believer has a new guest in their life. Let the church say guest. Uh, The new guest is the Holy Spirit. We all know how we act when somebody's coming to visit our house. When we know company is coming over. We're not going to let those dishes sit in the sink. They might have been there two or three days prior. But we know when company's coming over, we're going to bust out some suds. We're going to find that broom. We're going to find that vacuum. We are going to get the stuff out of the way. Why? Because company is coming. And we don't want to make our company uncomfortable. Well, just like we do that in our natural house, we ought to be able to do that in our spiritual house. Because now we have a guest in us as we are believers. We have a guest residing in us, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the paraclete, the one who came after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is living in us. So everywhere we go, we are taking our guests with us. And Paul does not say you all. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. So he puts himself in the mix. So it don't matter if you just walked in the church or if you built the church from the ground up. It doesn't matter if you're a member and you don't know how many books it is in the Bible or if you can count and read the whole Bible cover to cover from memory. We all have an obligation. And so Paul puts this in the midst to let us know that he is telling himself, not only telling the people of God, but he is telling himself. And so we act this way and this Holy Spirit strengthens us. We just got to allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. That same spirit that is in us is the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And if that spirit is able to raise a man from the dead after being from the grave after being dead from three days, I think it can help us with our temptations. We can't go back to our old lives. We cannot be slaves to our old nature, but we also cannot do it with our own willpower. We have to have help from the Holy Spirit. And we have to be able to feed that spirit, man, and allow the spirit to grow. Spending time fasting, spending time praying, spending time in the church, spending time building and uh, being in community, doing the work of the Lord. That is how we grow this spirit, man, so that we can deal with the pain. Ah, The spirit will give us life. Paul doesn't say he does not want us to be idle. He wants us to, to, he doesn't want us to do nothing at all. We have to keep moving. I remember the old adage that says that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. If we don't want to put stuff on the inside of us and fill us up with the spirit-led knowledge and, and, and the word of God and spending time with the creator, if we don't put anything in us, something else is going to fill that time. Ah, And we should act like that because we are in debt to God. And we are in debt to God for saving our souls. You know how we act when we owe people money. I don't know about you, 
But if I owe somebody money, I'm not going to be around them spending frivolously. I'm not going to borrow money for them and then catch the next concert. That's going to create some more pain in my life. And we ought to act that same way because we owe a debt to God, but this is a debt that we could never pay off. That's why we ought to thank God for his grace. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. We are indebted to God. And we can be led by the Spirit. There are examples all over the Bible in Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Nehemiah. And it's even mentioned in some of the Psalms, particularly 78 and 105, being led by the Spirit. And being led by the Spirit, having the Spirit indwelled in us helps us to deal with the pain. And because we are dealt or we have this spirit in us and we are able to deal with the pain, we are given a new adoption. Let the church say adoption. adoption. Uh, we are now members of God's family. Paul is telling them that we didn't spit, get a spirit of slavery, but adoption. And that word that he uses for adoption is not really around uh, in the Old Testament. It's not really a Hebrew custom. That's a word he pulls out from the Roman citizenship. And then the people got adopted because they had assets that they wanted to transfer over. They had land and things that they wanted to transfer over. And they would need sometimes if they didn't have a birth heir, they would adopt an heir. And this adoption, they gave them full legal sonship. What no asterisks by it. What no qualifications by it. Everything that the parent had, the child was now entitled to. Everything that the parent had, the child was now entitled to. Everything. That the parent had the child was now entitled to. So if mama had a little bit of money, that meant the kids had a little bit of money. If daddy had a little bit of land, that meant the kids had a little bit of land. And there wasn't no qualification on it. And so if it worked that way in the Roman family, how much better would it work in the family of God? My father created the world. My father rules and reigns supreme. My father speaks in worlds of form. My father is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should seek cause to repent. That is all in my father. And I am his child. And so we have this adoption, and it says that we can be able to call our Abba Father, so there is intimacy in it. Let the church say intimacy. Intimacy. Ah, the closeness. This isn't some stranger off the street. This isn't some random come along. This isn't somebody we just picked up. These people are in the family. And you know that this is your father and you're in the family. You get more access as a family member than you would somebody off the street. Uh, Because we have that, we get this inheritance from the father and we are children. We are heirs and we are joint heirs with Christ. Uh, And because... We get this guest in our lives and we act like we have company around from here on out. And because also we are adopted into the family of Christ, uh, we also have a new hope. Let the church say hope. hope. Uh, Paul says that he considers the sufferings 
But he doesn't make a specific mention to what sufferings. Because it doesn't matter. Ah, being a believer is not all going to be peaches and cream. Whoever told you that is lying. Now, there's a difference between, you know, joy and, and, and hope and, 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 and happiness. And that doesn't mean that being a believer means that your life is over and you're supposed to walk around looking like you're sucking on lemons and limes. But what he's saying is, is that doesn't mean that this is uh, the magic wand and every problem you ever had is going to be washed away. We are still going to go through changes. We are still going to have disagreements. We are even still going to have disagreements in the church. But he doesn't, it means that everybody is going to go through it. And he says that all of creation, nature, the natural world, everything is in pain. They groan in pain and they groan in pain because of the fall. Uh, Nature is a victim of this. When we talk about the fall of man, we don't just mean that the people were separated from God. Uh, we mean that the entire thing is contaminated. Yes. It only takes a little bit of contamination to ruin the whole thing. Amen. Amen. I can have a gallon of ice cream if I were to put one drop of poison in that ice cream. Would you eat it? It's just a little bit. It's a whole gallon versus a drop. You sure? Everybody talking about you pass. It's just a little bit. Just a little bit. All it takes is a little bit. And so when we talk about the fall of man, it tampered with all of creation. It messed with the entire world as we know it. We talk about why are things happening in the world so bad, big old $5 word they call theodicy. The problem is is it's contaminated. And there's only one thing that can help uncontaminate it, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the work that Jesus did on the cross. If it wasn't for that, we would still be lost. And so creation is waiting. Because just like creation got contaminated, creation is now waiting and it says that it's waiting and it's the believers and it's groaning just like a woman giving childbirth. That pain that is going on right now is temporary and they're looking for the future glory. Uh, And so we move from creation to the Christians. Let the church say Christians. Christians. Uh, He's still talking about this this present grief that I've mentioned. And believers are going to be released from their pain and suffering in the future glory. Today's grief right now is nothing compared to what tomorrow's glory is. And so there is a comparison and then there is a command. Ah, Let the church say command. Command. Uh, Until then, we are supposed to wait patiently and confidently like we know what is going on being heirs does not mean we just sit around and do nothing but we have to wait patiently with hope tertullian said that hope is patience with the light turned on it's one thing to wait but it's another to wait for something when you know what's going to happen ah i was uh 
working as a sound engineer one time, and uh, I had a really hectic week. We were doing a live recording for a gospel album. And so when you have a live recording for a gospel album, you usually get the producer, and the producer gets a band, and the band rehearses every day, usually from like 10 or 8 and 10 in the morning till sometime past midnight, Monday through Friday, making sure that the songs are right. And then you got the choir rehearsing on one end, and you got the soloist rehearsing on it is a It is a hectic week leading up to a Saturday night recording. You got a truck that comes in to do all the recording. It's really a fascinating process, but it's tiring for those who have to work on it. And so I'm working on this album, and and, and the artist, um, I'm by no means the head person on it, let me say that. I'm like the assistant to the assistant to the assistant, but I'm there working. And and, and so the, the producer is working with the band and the artist is ready for this album to be recorded on Saturday night and we go through Monday through Saturday Monday through Friday rehearsing 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 and then we do the recording Saturday night and then we do some of the overdub Saturday night and then we go to church on Sunday and we do that and of course the people at church want to hear some of the songs off the album so we got to play there for church on Sunday and somehow the artist had also agreed to sing at another church for afternoon service. So in between church Sunday service and afternoon service, we go off to a restaurant to eat. And I didn't drive, I rode with the producer and a couple of the band members and we went to this restaurant to eat and some of the other engineers and I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the time. And I'm thinking to myself, we finna be late to this afternoon service. Everybody else in the back just eating, taking their sweet time, cracking jokes, ordering extra dessert, ordering refills. I just t- I'm getting the quickest thing we can have made. I'm eating, I'm scarfing my food down. Everybody else is patient. And we get back to the church. Church is packed. Producer rolls right up into the little drop-off lane and parks right there. Hops out the car. I'm like, are we, what's going on? We get out of the car and somebody runs up. Hey, hey, you can't park there. And then he sees who it is. Oh, I didn't know it was you, sir. Goes out and grabs some cones and puts them around the little place where he parked and allows him to park there. And why I say that is he, the reason I bring that up now is because he knew where he was going. And he knew where he was. And I often tease this particular producer's talk, man, people shout and throw money at you every time you show up to a place. And he was like, well, this is one place where that actually happens. Because he knew who he was. And he knew where he was going. He was able to operate in some intentionality. He was able to go and not get nervous. While everybody else might have been upset, everybody else might have been nervous, everybody else might not have known what was going on, he knew what was going to happen when he got there. He didn't have to worry about finding a space because he was already in. He didn't have to worry about where he was going because he knew where he was going. He knew when he got there, he was going to get in. And he knew when he got there, they was going to roll out the red carpet for him when he arrived. 
He was able to do that because he understood and had hope. He knew who he was and whose he was. We ought to be able to walk like that as Christians. When it comes to the time of looking at the, the, the blessings of God that we have coming on us, we ought to know whose we are. We ought to know who we are in Christ. We ought to know that we are the head and not the tail. We ought to know that we are above and shall never be beneath. We ought to know that we are the apple of God's eye. We ought to know that we are the righteousness of God. We ought to know that we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives them strength. We ought to know no matter what is going on, we ought to be able to walk up like we've been there before. Walk up like we've been there before and they're going to put the cones out and roll the red carpet out for us because we are God's children. The right, and, and, and so when we get these kinds of pain, we ought to be able to know that the present suffering is nothing to be compared to the future glory. Uh, when we look at that pain that has us trying to lose hope, we should know that God says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. When we go through that physical pain that we are going through, we ought to know that God binds up the wounds of the afflicted. We ought to know that we are God's children. When we think that don't nobody care for us, we ought to know that he never leaves the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. We ought to know that he died for us. We ought to know these things when we got these physical pains we ought to know that he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of his peace is upon us and by his stripes we are healed we ought to know those things we ought to understand when we live this life that I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live it is not I who lives but the Christ in me when we have this pain and we don't know where we're going we ought to know to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding and all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path we got to understand that this present pain has nothing to do with the future glory no matter what's going on in our life be it friends be it family members be it our job be it anything that's going on our present pain does not equal our future glory in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come